how do we make the argument? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briannicholsshow.com forward slash Stratus IP. Making the argument. Now, guys, I know you hear it all the time in the show. Instead of making arguments, we focus on meeting people where they're at on the issues they care about. But today, we are going to talk about making arguments, but not in the way you think, but rather in constructing a solid, not argument so much as a pitch, right? How do we make convincing, effective arguments, pitches to our prospects, or in this case, maybe to our voters, I thought. Who better to join me on the show to discuss that other than Delegate Nick Freitas joining us from Virginia. Nick, thanks for joining the show. No, thanks very much for having me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us because, yeah, we have to talk today about how do we make arguments because you're quite well known and uh, your YouTube uh, views have accrued millions of, I'm sure, of uh, watch hours over there on YouTube. But before we go ahead and talk about all the things you're doing great in terms of making the argument, first do us a favor, introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience and what brought you on this path to making effective arguments to your constituents? Sure. I mean, I think first of all, I'd have to say, actually, I like I like your way of fo- focusing on it more from the marketing perspective rather than the like the technical argumentation uh, side. But uh, my background was I, I went into the military right out of high school, uh, served with um, the infantry and the 82nd Airborne Division, 25th Infantry, served in Army Special Forces, did a couple of combat tours. And interestingly enough, it was it was in the midst of doing combat tours that I started to read a lot more. Milton Freeman and Thomas Sowell and Frederick Bastiak and Ludwig von Mises and Hayek. And, and I really started, you know, moving over to what I call the, the liberty side um, of, you know, politics and, and philosophy. And when I get, got out of the military, um, moved to Virginia, was working out here with my family. I'm married. I have three kids. And um, in 2015, I had someone say, you know, Nick, you should run for the House of Delegates. Um, and my first response was no. Right. Which was which was probably, you know, the, the smarter one. And, uh, you know, later on, I got asked again, I ran. And so I've served in the Virginia House of Delegates for uh, seven years. And, um, you know, I, I, I really take the liberty wing of a lot of issues. So I find myself in a lot of situations where I have people on the left going, I want the government to do this. And I have, you know, friends of mine, because uh, I, I usually find myself on the right saying, I want the government to do this. And I'm usually the one going, why is the government doing any of this? Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and and key to that, you know, is, is I kind of realized not perfectly fitting into one of these groups oftentimes puts you in a situation where you're having to explain your position on a particular issue to a much broader audience. Because I'm, I'm whereas most people down in Richmond or whatnot, when they're talking about a particular issue, nobody's confused on why they, they stand where they do. Um, I'm usually the one that people are looking at me going, why did you vote that way? And then. <laughs> having to sit there and express and, and explain it both logically, but also in a way that's culturally relevant. Mm. Uh, because if you're just making good academic arguments, then you're probably only appealing to a really small section of the population, not because people are dumb, but because they're busy. Yes. And so it's important to find things that, that resonate. And so that's that's been kind of my, uh, you know, I think from being in the military to now being in the legislature and then also working on our podcast, Making the Argument. 
And and let's go back to a thing you brought up here about it having to be culturally re- relevant, but also, and this goes kind of hand in hand with my approach saying meet people where they're at on the issues they care about because, and how often, Nick, do you see it, right? You'll, you'll have an issue, right? And libertarians will have an issue and we want to focus on that issue. And then when we go out and we start talking to people, we come to realize that we're, we're falling on deaf ears because the issue that we're focused on for better or for worse, isn't what's in the purview of everybody else. So let me ask you this, because this is sometimes the hardest thing is, well, how do we reset that narrative then? How do we reframe the the collective consciousness of, in this case, the constituencies to focus on the things that we want them to when they do matter, right? And let's look, for example, like, you know, the, the, the wars in Yemen and, and our supporting that. Th- this issue is finally being brought up, and I think we're seeing more people being aware to it. But frankly, this is something that hasn't even really been discussed when you talk about, like, a, a corporate news uh, perspective until recently because it was being brought to a floor vote. So I guess, you know, when you talk about something like that, how do you get people on board maybe when it's not in the view of the, the corporate narrative or when it just is outside of the cl- uh, the culturally relevant conversation how do we make it culturally relevant? I, I think I think there's some things where you can you can approach something that is in the news from a different angle. And I think that's interesting to people to some degree. But even then, they have to be interested in mm. it. So the real question is, is why do we want to talk about Yemen? Well, I would argue that the reason why we'd want to talk about Yemen is because we're, we have some problems with American interventionism in places that we shouldn't be, whether it's you know American tax dollars going to finance operations that we think might be dubious or, or unconstitutional. And so the question I would ask is, okay, if, if that's the fundamental principle that you want, does Yemen provide you the best mechanism to talk about that particular issue? And for some people, the answer might be yes. For other people, it's no. But if you're going to insist on, no, 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 I want to use Yemen to illustrate this principle, I would say you, you might be starting off in the wrong, in the wrong area. Mm. Um, and so if, if the principle is, hey, it's, it's not a good idea for the United States to be essentially you know, assisting in these proxy wars or um, – or being interventionist or using American tax dollars or using American or, or American service members in a dangerous way. Um, again, if, if Yemen is really important to someone, then great, hammer that point home using Yemen. But there's all kinds of other examples that you can use that are probably far more likely to hit somebody you know, where they're at based off of their own experience. I mean, you can use Iraq, you can use Afghanistan, you can use you know, the potential for getting more involved in Ukraine. You can use all of these things in order to illustrate that principle. And then the other thing I would tell people, this is something I tell a lot of my libertarian friends, um, if, you're, if you're doing it from the perspective where you're you know, slamming the military, um, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, look, I don't believe that the Department of Defense gets a, it gets a pass that you know, we can never question it or question you know, uh, the military. I don't think that's true, and I'm a, I'm a combat vet. Um, but again, what's your goal? Is your goal to, okay, well then, I will tell you in a lot of cases, your most sympathetic, um, your most sympathetic victim that you're trying to defend is the person that's potentially going to be sent over to get killed or to do something that they shouldn't be doing um, because the government sent them over there and, and didn't even follow the, the constitutional process for going through all of that. So I, I would say in, in every single one of these issues, um, there's the fundamental principle that you're trying to argue, and then there's the point you're using to illustrate that. And you, you can you can use various ones to illustrate it, but just don't lose sight of what the, the fundamental thing is that you're, you're trying to convince somebody of. Well, and let's talk about those illustration methods, because you, you just like, you, you spark some stuff in my head, right? Because 
Sometimes the challenge is how do you tie the political with the culturally relevant, like we are talking about. One way I've found some success doing is taking the political issue and the, the, the topical political conversation and then connecting it with usually a movie or a TV show that has some theme that, that parallels. I like to use, for example, in the, the world of school choice, not sure how familiar you are with Harry Potter, but in, in Harry Potter 5, uh, we have the, the wonderful Dolores Umbridge who comes from the, uh, the wizarding like government, their big federal wizarding government. She comes to Hogwarts, the, the private school, as government saying, okay, well, we're <laughs> going to tell you how to teach at this school. I remember turning to my wife and I'm like, this is, this is an argument against public schools right here. And she's like, oh, I get it. And I'm like, right? Because yeah. now, and she's like, okay, yeah, because now she's making them do this stuff. And I'm like, exactly. And then the aha moment happened. My wife watched Waco and she's like, her entire world like just completely transformed because she didn't know it was a thing. So like she didn't actually yeah. know that Waco was a thing. And how many folks out there don't know about Waco, right? So there is a means to use the media and, and the, the, the forms of, you know, entertainment to help us tell our messages. That's what I'm finding. What else are you finding as a means to help uh, tell our, our messages? Well, I, I, think, I think using popular culture is really important um, because it, it is amazing how you can find these little nuggets of wisdom in there where you could use it to illustrate a point. Yep. And it has broad cultural relevance. Like people understand that reference point. Again, like Waco is a perfect example. You talk about Waco. Every libertarian probably knows what you're talking about. Some conservatives probably know what you're talking about. Maybe some people on the left. Um, but then all the people who don't really care about politics, or that's not something, they, no clue. Right. And, and again, it's not that they're stupid. They're busy. They have different priorities that they're focusing on. And so, but when you have something like, you know, a Harry Potter reference, again, I've never seen, you know, Harry Potter, but I've been to Harry Potter land, right? Like in, at Universal Studios. Like I even know enough about it to understand the cultural relevance of it because yep. shoot everyone else i know does so i think using points like that are really important i think the other thing that's interesting is that every once in a while something will like really just capture the country's attention so inflation right was obviously something that every impacted everybody they were all mad about it and everybody was offering different explanations for why it was happening and and none of them were very suitable um and here's what we found we found a lot of different ways to talk about inflation over the last 10 months um, and it was some of our most popular videos. It was some of most of our popular discussions, um, some of most of our, our popular short form content. You know, for years before this, you know, Ron Paul and everyone else, audit the Fed, audit the Fed, audit the Fed. And they're like, yeah, who's the Fed? Right. This was a perfect example where all of a sudden inflation is taking place. We're going to say, OK, yeah, yeah. You got one politician saying it's all the corporations. You got another politician saying that, you know, it, it's this. You think maybe you could have something to do with printing trillions of dollars in the last three years. Anybody think that's a good idea? And it, it gave us a people now started asking questions about how did we get here? Mm -hmm. And we actually had a, a, a very you know easy to understand, accurate explanation for this is how we got here. Not only that, but we were also able to explain why other people were lying to them about how they got <laughs> here and how we got here. Um, yep. I, I used to tell people, I'm like, you want to know the most bipartisan thing that has happened in Congress for the last, you know, whatever, several decades? Inflationary monetary policy. Like, if, you know, for all the people that think I'm too partisan, here's one where I hate both parties equally, and that's inflationary monetary policy. Here's what this means. Because, again, if you just leave it with, oh, it's the Federal Reserve and inflationary monetary policy. Okay, what's that? Right. But when you start to say, like, okay, I want you to imagine a world where politicians want to spend a bunch of money. 
but they can't take any more from you and nobody wants to lend to them because they're doing a crappy job. And so they just print a bunch of it as if all of a sudden, like there's going to be no impact from that. nothing. No, no. Yeah, you know, what's no funny you say that whatsoever. is that you see my shirt, Nick. It's the magic money yeah. tree shirt, which obviously represents <laughs> our fed here. So I'm glad you're using this as the example. Very topical. Yeah. yeah so, but I, I found that any other time I talked about the federal reserve, nobody cared. But when all of a sudden the, the, I could, I could effectively explain in a way that was culturally relevant to someone why the Federal Reserve do it. And oh, by the way, did you know they have almost no oversight? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah. This organization. Well, don't they work for the federal government? Eh, not really. No. What? <laughs> so, you know, there, there was these ways that, you know, they were already interested in the topic. We were providing a solution. Plus, um, we, we had so much additional information about it. Like, again, things like, actually, no, it's not. It's never really been audited. Like, we, we don't really know. Like, like, that just blows people's minds. And now they're curious. Yep. Uh, about what this huge organization that is that is causing their grocery prices to go up, right? They're not concerned about inflationary monetary policy. They're really concerned about the fact that everything they're buying at the grocery store is 18 to 30% more expensive. And we can show them why that is. In the world of wine, there are so many choices. And that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, well, and you talked about peaking interest. That's key in sales, right? I mean, goodness, I'm, I'm out here today doing some uh, some cold emailing. It's the holidays. People aren't really in their offices. So I'm like, you know what? We're going to do some, some cold calling, but we're going to do it from cold emailing. And, and you know, beyond the, the way I approach my emails, what I'm trying to do is lead with things that are in their purview, right? And lead with main top of mind issues. But if I'm not doing so enough, that gets them to say, hmm, I want to learn more. I'm not going to get a yeah. meeting. Right, I'm not going to be able to book that meeting, and the same thing is true with us. But we're not booking a meeting. We're trying to get them to say, "Okay, well, maybe I want to go to his campaign website. Maybe I want to go ahead and get a yard sign. Right? Maybe I want to support this guy. Maybe I want to give him some money. Right? And that's all yeah. of a sudden where we can start quote making the sale all the way to getting them to the the, the ballot box, getting them to actually cast their vote for us. Right? And I, we I do that by peaking interest. Oh, no, no, you, you're absolutely right. And, and it's interesting because the way that the way that so many people peak interest within politics uh, or within political discourse is um, oh, what is it? It's uh, epinephrine. Yep. Right. It's fear and anxiety. Yep. Right. That's it's just this constant the FUD, stream of fear, fear uncertainty, anxiety. doubt, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. All of it just over and over and over and over again. And then there's never any resolution to it. It's just constantly, you better, you better donate, you better do this. And then you win, and it's like, what changes? Well, apparently nothing, because now you've got to be fearful of the other side winning, right? And so it's, it's nothing but that. And we started looking at that, and one of the things that we, it, one of the best compliments we ever got on the podcast was, I feel like this is the only podcast that I watch that talks about politics where I don't just leave pissed off at the world. And, and we started to realize, and I think this is important from a sales perspective, we, we weren't thinking about it from that perspective, but I think it makes sense. If it's all fear and anxiety, um, at some point, people are going to tap out. Yep. They're, they're just done. There has, to be, there has to be some sort of you know, resolution or motivation or reward or connection. And, and we found that the most powerful way that we can um, you know, market what we believe is Sometimes there's going to be the fear and anxiety because bottom line is there's things going on that are, are problematic. 
But then what sort of solution to that are we offering? And by solution, I don't just mean vote for this person or if only these people weren't. That's okay. Right. Maybe to some degree. But no, it's what can you do and what can you do that has actual practical effect? And then the, the whole goal was, is at the end, we don't want people feeling you know, miserable and then thinking that the only positive action is to vote or to go campaign more. Well, no, the, the sort of society we want to encourage is one where free people have maximum ability to engage in voluntary cooperation with one another in order to achieve like incredible things. So, okay, here's a problem. What can you do right now, not just voting, not just, what can you do right now to, in order to fix this or in order to make a difference in your life or the lives of the people around you and go try this and, and hey, we've tried it. We found out that it works. Well, now somebody is not just getting fear and anxiety. They're actually getting motivated to do something. And when that something works, there's reward. And then the other thing we found is that when you share personal stories, both of triumph and of failure, you also make that personal connection. And if you can hit those three things where it's like, okay, we, we have the problem, but we have a solution, something for you know to, to motivate you and reward. Plus, we've also added that personal connection because we want you to know that we're not sitting up here, you know, as some sort of know-it-all. We're, we're doing our best too. And sometimes we succeed and sometimes we fail. And we want you to be a part of that so that, you know, you're better for it. You, you, you got to do all of those. But unfortunately, what we see a lot, especially what I see a lot on uh, the conservative or the libertarian side of politics is, Fear and anxiety, fear and anxiety, fear and anxiety. Yep. Well, and and you hit on the reason be beyond like what you were talking about there from our candidate school. Why we have uh, we have candidates on that are teaching other candidates who have been both successful but also have lost. And I I think it's important for us to learn from the losses just as much as we do from those victories. And I think sometimes we learn more from the losses. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I hope the Cowboys learned a loss from our Jacksonville game there yesterday because that stunk and that hurt because it should hurt. You should learn from that pain of that loss. I mean, goodness, I used to weigh 385 pounds. Losing 180 pounds, that was a lot of work. And it sucked. It was tough. But it helped me learn what I had to do to become better, right? And and just looking at, I, I think, politics in general, we, we so often get into the we want to win versus the opponent. We want to crush the other team versus trying to bring the, the real solutions to the table to make things better. Because unfortunately, and this is the reality, is that those fears, those uncertainties, those doubts, those can be things that hold people back from making a choice. The biggest thing we have to face in sales isn't the, the competition, it's, it's status quo. It's the, the person yeah. that we're talking to not changing, not making a decision because there is so much fear. There is so much uncertainty. There is so much doubt. They don't want to make the wrong decision. It's not that they don't, they have the fear of uh, missing out. They have the fear of messing up. And that yeah. right there is where we have to be able to reframe the conversation for sure. Well, I think it's fascinating now that if you, if you look at one of the most popular people out there, um, I mean, Jordan Peterson. Yep. And, and he's constantly, what's he constantly talking about? Clean up he, your he, own he room. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, you know, everything sucks, right? He talks about a lot of things that are bad or, or dangerous or potentially problematic, but then he offers things that you as an individual can do in your own life to make it better for you and the people around you that you care about. And that's empowering. And, and again, one of, one of the things that frustrates me so much, and, and this is interesting, we, we're always hearing about democracy, democracy, democracy. And I'm like, okay, look, I, 
I, if you're going to have a system of government, I think democratic processes are, are essential to making sure, you know, to, to try to keep it within certain boundaries. But freedom and democracy are not synonymous, right? A free Preach. society is one. A free society is one where you have the maximum ability to live your life in accordance with with your needs, wants, and desires, insofar as you don't infringe on the rights of somebody else, right? That's 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 a free society, and and it is it is so it is so in a in a politician's best interest to convince you that freedom or prosperity or wealth or success is all rooted on who holds political office as opposed to the thousand little decisions that you make in your own life on a daily basis. And the people that are kind of pulling the curtain back and going, hey, look, the people that have relied on politicians to fix everything, yeah, they're sucking. They're just as bad off, if not worse off. The people that went out there and said, you know what? I, I can make my bed. I can make different decisions with respect to you know working out or how I eat. I can make different decisions with respect to the things I do at my current job or the side hustle that I want to get that could potentially become the, the career, right? And when you start looking at those things as, as very tangible options that, yes, include some risk and include some sacrifice, but are attainable, right? That is a, that's a totally different mindset on life. And, and it's one that's far more exciting and empowering than, gosh, I, I sure hope we win the next election because maybe the guy that I've never met that is going to be the president will do something to, to benefit me. Like that's pathetic, <laughs> right? Whereas in reality, there's so many things you can do in your own life, even little things that, that can have, a, you know, an, an impact, a compound interest, if you will, on, on everything in your future. That's, I mean, that's empowering. Nick, we're already hard pressed for time. So that means it's time for final thoughts, but my final thought, I'll kick things off is actually kind of a, a story. And it's my story from, looking at exactly what you just framed as like taking a risk, taking a jump. So, and I'll compare it and contrast to, I'm not going to say who it is because I won't say, but it's somebody from New York and it's a, it's a good friend of mine. Um, but it is the difference between I was in Philadelphia and I looked around and, and let's be real. The past two plus years in Philadelphia under the COVID insanity was freaking miserable. I mean, I just, it made life not fun it made friendships dissolve. I mean, this is it, it, the weaponized hypochondria that was COVID insanity. It crushed so many people. So I decided, along with my wife, to do something about it, right? We decided to leave Philadelphia, leave Pennsylvania, and, and navigate out to the Midwest. And now we set up shop out here in Indiana. And guess what? Oh, my God. This is the happiest I've been in literally years versus I have a friend who lives in New York. Now, not the city, but upstate New York, very, I would say traditional conservative. And they just, they can't do it. Can't make the move. And I keep on saying, why not? Like, what do you have to lose? Well, you know, there's this and, oh, you know, the family. I'm like, there's always going to be reasons not to do something. Like if you're going to constantly be looking and saying like, yeah, this sucks, this stinks. I can't do anything about it, then you, there's, there are things you can do. And that is the immediate things in your, your life. It's your health. It's your, your family. It's your environment. It's the people you surround yourself with. Goodness, good people bring out the good in people. So what should we do? Surround yourself with good people. Duh. Yeah. And not people who actively hate your, your values, people who vehemently go against your goals. Surround yourself with people in your community who are going to help build each other up on, on common foundations. So that's what I have for my final thoughts. Nick, what do you have for us for uh, your final thoughts today? 
No, I, I, I think there's I think there's a great deal of truth in that. Um, you know, again, you should surround yourself with people that want the best for you. That doesn't mean they're always going to reinforce whatever your, your notion is from from one day to the next, but want the best, genuinely want the best for you. Nor should and, they. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's one of those things where I, I find that with, you know, my, my family, my faith or our church. I, one of the things for me that is something different that we kind of started doing next year and we're really expanding on. I, I really got into the homestead community mm. and it was never something that I thought I would do necessarily. I always, I always had you know a little bit of property. We got 10 acres, but one of the things that really intrigued me about it was these guys, so many of them were people that found themselves in a situation where they didn't like where they were at. They wanted to do a change. They wanted something better for their family and they, they took a leap and I love it because they are so honest about when they fail. And they're so honest about when they succeed and how they did it. And they want you to know how to do it. In case, not because they're telling you you got to do this, but because they found something of value and they want to share it because they're genuinely excited about yes. it. And, and I started recognizing, too, how incredibly therapeutic it was to have a garden or to raise some you know, chickens or goats or whatever. And, and the other thing that was empowering about it was with everything that was going on in the world on you know, supply chain shortages and, and issues and things like that. I was like, you know, this is something that we can do um, that will be beneficial. And then, you know, one, one of my one of my children kind of has some some food allergies and whatnot. And all of a sudden we found that some of the things that we were doing here could potentially be beneficial for her. And this wasn't something we had to ask permission for. We could just do it. So we did it. And do we screw up? Dude, a ton. Like <laughs> my tomatoes this year, miserable. Like I wasted like so much time. In the sense that I didn't get tomatoes, but not in the sense that I didn't learn a lot about how to properly prep the soil and how to properly like prune, you know, tomato uh, plants. And so th there is there is joy in the journey when you're doing something that has value like that. And my gosh, you don't have to wait around for somebody else to make it happen. You, you can go do it. So go find those things. For me, it was that. For you, it was moving to Indiana, right? That's that's significant. For other people, it's little things. So Maybe step your way into that, but start finding things over your life that you can take control of and then make the most of it and be honest about your failures, be honest about your successes. Um, and, and I think I think you're going to find a, a lot of joy in doing that. Here, here, Nick, Freitas, we could keep going and going, but unfortunately we are already over time, but you know what? I'm the host, so, oh well. Uh, I get to do what I want. I get to set my own time parameters, unlike the Cowboys when they were in overtime and they couldn't seem to get it over the finish line. That wound is still open. Yeah, just pour the salt there. Uh, Nick, no, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Um, obviously, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Number one, go ahead and give it a share, and when you do, tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty Twitter, Facebook, wherever it is you share it. Nick, where can folks go ahead and uh, tag you to uh, continue the conversation? Sure, they can they can find it. We're on social media across the board. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. A lot of people like my short form content on Instagram Reels. But our podcast is called Making the Argument. We have another show called The Why Minutes, where we just take three minutes to kind of look at a particular issue from an entirely different, interesting angle. So Making the Argument or The Why Minutes, that's a great place to find us in our content. Perfect. And folks, I'll make it easy for you to go ahead and find all of the uh, the links there uh, therefore mentioned just now. If you're one of the, uh, I'd say 95% of the folks who listen to the actual podcast over in the podcast version of the show, well, click the artwork in your podcast catcher. It'll bring you right over to briannicholsshow.com. Click on episode 646, 646. No wonder I'm so tired. 646, and that'll bring you over to today's episode where you'll find the transcript from today's episode, all the links from today's, uh, today's episode, plus you'll find the video version of the show over on our YouTube, Rumble, and on Odyssey, wherever it is you want to get your, your video content from. 
All I ask, do me a favor, hit that little subscribe button and notification bell so you don't miss a single time we go live. And oh, one last thing, by the way, uh, shame on you. I'm saying that not to you, Nick, but to the folks out there who forgot to get your freedom fanatic or liberty lover in your life Christmas presents. How dare you? Well, no worries. Even though it's going to be a little behind uh, the, the Christmas date for delivery, you can still go ahead and get that awesome gift for that, that freedom uh, fanatic and liberty lover in your life over at briannicholshow.com forward slash shop. Like I uh, mentioned here, I'm rocking right now our Magic Money Tree shirt, but we also have our What Happened in 1971, our Liberty Legends. Now that's what I call Tyranny Klaus Schwab shirt and more. We have garden flags, backpacks, snapbacks, you name it, we got it. But do yourself a favor, use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off. Nick, this has been great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, And with that being said, folks, thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Delegate Nick Freitas. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.